0: You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. And welcome to the bonus episode prior to the season conclusion. In the vein of our season subject, Demons and Possession, I really couldn't think of a better guest to have on the show than the one you are about to hear from, Archbishop and Exorcist Plato Angelacus. Is that not the coolest name you have ever heard? I mean, what else was he going to do? And to hear him tell it, there never was going to be anything else for him, not if the divine force, the ultimate creative, whatever you like to call it, had anything to do with it. Sometimes it's just like that. We're called to be and do certain things. Plato is not your average exorcist. He gets into it a little at the beginning and then later in the episode, but we talk for around a half hour prior to even hitting the record button. I want to impress upon you my first impressions of this man, because I really didn't know what to expect. He is inclusive of the paranormal and inclusive of all gifts that might be implied in this arena which my biased self can certainly appreciate. I'll let him tell you all about it. Please enjoy my conversation with Plato Angelochus. Archbishop Plato Angelochus was ordained a Catholic priest with the Oblates of St. Therese in Wisconsin in 1999. He is an independent priest in the Old Roman Catholic Rite. He's an active member of the American Association of Exorcists since 2013 and holds a certificate of registered exorcist and deliverance minister. Elevated to bishop with the Mexican National Catholic Church in 2009, elevated to archbishop and official representative for the Mexican National Catholic Church for Canada in 2018. Currently, he presides as Archbishop of the Holy Order of St. Michael the Archangel and Archdiocese of the Mexican National Catholic Church in Canada. He is an exorcist in communion with the Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel in California. Plato is a registered nurse. He holds a BA of Arts at Mission Valley Bible College, a doctorate of ministry at St. Benedict's Seminary, and a doctorate of divinity at Seminario Pontificio Mayo. The Paranorm Girl podcast is so pleased to welcome Archbishop and Exorcist Plato Angelakis. Hello there. (laughs) <laughs> Hi. Thank you so well, you much. Doing? Hey, doing good. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing wonderful. I'm <laughs> doing great. I hope you're doing well yourself.
0: Absolutely. Well, this is um this is really a, a treat for me and an honor considering The topic of education this season that we have covered, all on demons and possession. Um, I've covered topics like exorcism, infested locations, haunted objects, demonology. So I'm really curious to learn maybe what I have gotten wrong, but uh, also just to (laughs) learn another view and, and experience on the matter. And you certainly have a lot of personal experience with it. So before we get into it, uh, could you give my listeners a little bit of your backstory and what ultimately led you to becoming an archbishop and exorcist?
1: Well, wow. I, I believe it or not, I, all my life I wanted to become a priest officer, but that just didn't seem to pan out. Um, so I, I don't know, I just, um, I've always been drawn to the uh, religion and uh, that's why i studied it, studied so much of it and my grandmother took me to church uh, every sunday and i always wanted to go and no one else wanted to take me and i was just enthralled with it so i wanted to become an orthodox priest because i was born and raised as a greek orthodox in eastern right um but you know i didn't speak enough greek at the time uh, that they felt it would be enough to uh, join their seminary, so that didn't work out i got a little disappointed and i was sort of you know uh, down about it and then i started, Later on, when I got married, I uh, I converted to Catholicism because my wife was Catholic. And so uh, I just decided to do that. And then I decided, well, I'll become a, a permanent deacon in the Catholic Church. I tried over, over um, eight years, twice. It didn't work out. Um, and so it just seems like um, it, didn't, um, it didn't want to pan out the way I wanted to pan out. It wanted to pan out the way God wanted it. So after I decided, well, I'm just going to give up. I don't think this is meant to be. Um, I went to... Um, a retreat, religious retreat out in Wisconsin, I went into an archbishop uh, went from the independent old Roman Catholic Church and uh, he took me under his wing and trained me and uh, ordained me a priest. Uh, later on I became an oblate Teresa. Um then I just you know I became a priest along with my registered nurse job and just you know helped to display you know I did the normal the normal marriages, you know, baptisms, those sorts of things, preaching and that sort of thing. Um, later on, I, I was, um, I was uh, invited by the Mexican National Catholic Church to uh, be consecrated uh, a, a regular bishop, and that happened. And as time went on, I ended up uh, representing Canada for the Mexican National Catholic Church, so I became an archbishop. That was great that I'm an archbishop, but I figured that's great. I can ordain my own priest. I can do this. I can do that. I'm still working as an RN. Uh, registered nurse. One day got a call a team out in the Ottawa Ontario area, area and that they had a case that they were investigating, and they came across uh, a demonic situation, something that they sort of couldn't handle, something that was over their heads. And I said, well, they reached out to me and I go, oh, sure, I'll come down, no big deal, you know, and got my book, my ritual book and off I went. And, um, and that's when uh, I realized, um, first of all, I had a lot to trade and need to, to learn. Um, it was, It was basically uh, uh, an experience. I was basically reading from a ritual book, um, but it was very successful, Um, being my first time. It it took uh, an understanding that there there used to be um, an acceptance of the gift and the calling, if that's what you want to call it it that. I would change my approach, and that's how things got started. And ever since then, it just seems to me to look back and see if that's all that I've done. Um, To give an example, like, like I mean, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Right.
2: I have, yeah. I mean,
1: people have. So there's one scene. I always use a scene as an example because it, it was the best way to describe my situation when that priest decided to go to the exorcist's home. He's out possessed and he's alone. He can't get any help. He has no support. He's got the reporter obviously with him. Uh, he's going there and he's just reading. He basically just reads a book. Just He's just reading the words. There's no like meaning behind the words. He just read the words, you know? cast you out, you know, demon or whatever. You know, uh, tell me your name, demon And the demon just laughed at him because he just basically read the word. And then he runs downstairs and he's discouraged. And, you know, the reporter's telling him, you know, everything in your life brought you to this point. You know, you were meant for this. And then when he went back up, he changed his approach. And he says, you know, I do believe in the devil. And therefore, no, I'm casting you out. Um and then the whole demeanor of obviously the demon changed because now his approach is different. His uh, he went in with more boldness and veracity and you know, sort of the belief in himself that okay, I have the gift. This is my calling. Of course the demon now realised he's done. So that whole change that that transference of of knowing thyself. I went through that and with this particular case. I went there on the first day, we were there two days. I went there, it was a pretty bad it was a bad case. Uh, her parents were a satanic ritualists, and now she's all grown up. She's, when she was a little girl, she had not I miss mean, a lot of things. And when now now she's been plagued by that. So her daughter called us up and said, I about us, need help and whatnot." And certainly, usually when a family member has to call a person so far in, it's hard for them to ask for help. The first time it was, to I mean, be honest, it was a total failure. I went in there and it was like, you know, um, we got thrown across the room. She broke through the binds. I had a boundary of chair since you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. No, not in the least. I had no idea what the heck was going on. So I read the book. Nothing was working. Uh, we approached it the next day differently. Um, I went and for me it wasn't just reading the words. I had to believe in the words of the ritual. I had to believe in my ability. I had to believe in the gift that was given to me. At that point I realized that this was my calling. This is where God had led me. The second day was totally different, like night and day. And clearly, she got liberated, and everything was fine, everything went well. And then from that moment on, um, I joined that particular team who had called me and became a member of their team. And that's how I started doing cases with them. And of course, that spread to various other cases and paracons, and maybe to where I am today. But of course, along the way, I had to learn. It's not something like, you know, just be born with this. You learn, you learn from your mistakes. Um, and you, and you go in, you go in with those mistakes differently. And, uh, so my approach has changed. Um, although many priests might do exercises in a different way, I will do it my way because I find my way works for me and I'm very successful, but it's something that I had learned. Um, I went along, making those mistakes, learning new things, and seeing the success of certain things and, and the not so much success on other things. So that's, Word, this was led me to be where I am, of course. Um, uh, yeah, it, it seems like that's all I do. I don't do it very many marriages anymore, or baptisms. I do the odd one here and there, um, but uh, for friends and family. But for the most part, it's paranormal 100%. Um, so um, that's where it all led. So you know, obviously, you know, like I said, we uh, spoke earlier. Right I said, you know, that I who chose you. God says, sorry, it's I who chose you. You didn't choose me, but He chose me to do a certain thing. And yeah. there's some priests out there that are great at preaching. There are others that are great in ministry, uh, the sick in the hospital. Others are great at uh, healing. Some people can be on a pulpit and do a great, a great sermon and just move you, or others are not. Um, they're more boring, right? So we all have our own special gifts, even within the clergy. Um, and it just seems that you know um, I go in and you know I'm I'm more bold. I'm questions, I am. My whole demeanor will change. I can. I'm talking to you now, or down to earth. Give could be a first name basis, you know. We could be talking, and then five minutes later, okay, it's time to do the exorcism. I'll pray, and then when I want to get up. You'll still see my whole demeanor change. I'm just a whole different person, you know. I'm like a more of a warrior now. It's like it's like okay, the battle begins, and it's like okay, you're going down. <laughs> yeah. So um, it it just changes, and I and have to change because I realize that I can't go in with the same. You know, it's, it's now it's like now it's a spiritual battle, and I'm right. taking it on in that particular sort of attitude. Um, so that's where I am. You know, I mean, it took a lot, it was a lot of a big journey um, of a lot of things. And as I look at it now, I'm going back, looking at what circumstances, and i go. going like there are a lot of people who, who turned me down. No, oh, I don't want you to be a deacon in the Catholic church. No, I don't want you to be or the Greek Orthodox priest. No, I don't want you to be this. I don't want you to be that. This is what I want you to be. Mm-hmm. And the independent church which basically God knew I needed to be able to do things without the politics involved. And of course, have the authority uh, to do what I have to do. And of course, the experiences um, that came with it. So it it was all pre-planned by God, um, you know, from day one to, to lead me down that particular path.
0: You were called... Ultimately, to become an exorcist, and that was that, that sounds like it was later in the process, like it's not something that it was,
1: it was a, it was a final thing. Once everything, once you became ordained, I did mm. the training, I did the seminary, I did the theology, I did all that stuff. Uh, and then of course, okay, now it's all said and done. What do I do? Okay, well, I can preach, do that, write some books some marriages, baptisms, and I was happy with that. I was content. You know, I was helping people. I was bringing the ashes on Ash Wednesday to to my job, my workplace, but people couldn't go to church, so I would bring the ashes to them. I would bless uh, objects for people. I would hear confessions, uh, you know, on journeys on, uh, to people can't make it to church, so I would, you know, I would hear confessions. Uh, for some of my peers, of course, everything's confidential. I have and, uh, So I has to be to the skill And so, you know, basically minister to people that couldn't make it. Like, you know, I mean, being a nurse, I'm a shift worker, but there was also firefighters, EMFs, doctors, other nurses, um, you know, all sorts of shift workers, uh, first responders that can't get to church. So I basically, you know, uh, provided my services that way. Um, the people who wanted it but couldn't go, I was there. They wanted to Palms on Palm Sunday, I provided them. They wanted ashes on Ash Wednesday, I provided it. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to actually go to the church to get it, at least you got that, or a blessing or a prayer, or if you wanted something blessed, you know, obviously you should work and you work straight nights, you know, I would do it for you at work. So things like that. And uh, I was happy. I was content.
2: Yeah. It
1: was that one call to go and do an exorcism or, you know, to go in and investigate and see if I could do anything with this individual. Uh, of course, I read about it. There's some books on it. I had some knowledge, but very limited. I thought just going in with my ritual book, which I have an actual ritual book, you know, in Latin, and I thought, oh, if I just read from the words, that should be enough. And uh, and like the movie, you know, the words are not enough. You need to put your heart in it. You need to believe in it. You need to be a part of it and be that warrior when you need to be. So um, that was the transformation from just a regular bishop priest something a little more extraordinary so uh, and of course i've been building up on that sense with more training then obviously vatican training uh, because even though i'm not part of Rome, they do have a great um uh, university and uh and a place where you know clergy you go to learn all sorts of things during the covid 19 a lot of restrictions i did a lot of online through rome i did there for a week so there was uh, a lot of that available to us and it's very interesting because they they brought a lot of psychologists, they brought a lot of you know uh, secular people to help because uh, you, you need to approach it from from the okay this is this person mentally ill or is this person demonically possessed or is it a combination of both? You can have both.
2: Right. Um, so
1: right. We try and, we try to help them try to help them spiritually as physically and then spiritual after. Uh, but we need to we need, we need to visit both.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm really uh, glad I learned recently that the Vatican actually opened up their um, exorcism mm-hmm. training quite uh, widely to you know all over the world um, to more mm-hmm. independent or, or any other uh, denomination. So they opened up that training uh, finally, and it's been that way for for a little while. So
1: they still made it hard because they want the you still need to get permission from your local bishop and make it sound like it's open to everybody. But clearly, they still have a lot of control over who they want to let in. They want, they want, like I even, even even myself not being part of Rome, I had to get consent from the local archbishop in the area, you know, that I, that I, part of the ordinary, they call them the ordinary, because it's part of the the regular diocese, um, to to, to let them know that, yeah, I know this guy, um, I can vouch for him, and because, you know, know, they have references and a bunch of other things. So it wasn't just like, oh, I want to apply for the course, It didn't work as easy as that. It was was still difficult to get in. They're they're, they're still very um, protective. I got you. Very very controlling.
0: Okay. Well, you also mentioned working with uh, a paranormal team. I'm I'm glad you brought up paranormal investigating uh, in that aspect. Do you you actually work side-by-side with that regular team, like regularly, or is it it a case-by-case basis? Uh Okay. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Talk about your team?
1: Yeah, it varies. It varies. I mean, um, for the most part, I will bring who I can bring. I mean, a lot of people's times are restricted. And because, I, mean, I can say this for a fact that the fourth largest volunteer society in the world is the paranormal. We do everything for free, for the most part. And everybody gives a time and effort, and you, get, and you take time with the families. Um, So we do a lot of, like, you know, people who we shouldn't be charging these clients, we should be doing it, you know, like, help them. Um, But having said that, I, you know, I have one particular partner that I I work with and and because she possesses, that's sister Kia. um, She was a a pagan witch when I met her. Um, And uh, she converted to Catholicism and became, uh, wanted to be a sister, so I consecrated her a sister. Uh, Not a full nun because she, is a single mom with a child, so she took her minor orders. Meaning, she's taking her vow as a minor order. She's not going to be an obviously in a convent. But she can work in the community, go wear the veil and whatnot, and and be uh, an assistant uh, to me. But she, you know, the sisters of of her caliber are the ones you who know, will also lay their hands on people and perform exorcism rights, even though they're not we are complicated. So um, I use her I use her primarily when I can't. Um, she's available for the most part. But some cases uh, require a full in-house investigation where I want the person to go in, set up the equipment, do the nighttime, go around with the flashlights and the EVP meters and all that thing, those things, and then come back with some kind of evaluation and say, okay, you know, there's definitely activity here, definitely recapture some things, we also have extensive interviews and I've got people who help me with that. Sister Key is also a nurse and myself a nurse. And so we might go in and do vital signs. We review medications. Um, I make an ask for consent to talk to your doctor. I want to see your medical history. I want to make sure you know, if you have a heart condition, I'm going to start tying you down, throwing you on holy water, saying the power of Christ compels you. that I've a hard time on you. you know, And, and have, you have to be careful because you have to know how far to push and then stop and let, let things rest. It, it's just like, that's, that's part of the process, that's part of the ritual, but we do vital signs. We have blood pressures like throughout the whole process. We videotape it, we get extensive consent forms signed. Uh, we will speak to doctors, we'll speak to family. So it's a long process and it's not just simply just going in one day, and just doing it and then be done with it. Um, we're also just, don't also just need the client, we give a lot of teaching, a lot of education, you know, and they need to change. They need to change what they're doing because obviously, what was what they were doing wasn't working. Maybe to Where I walk into a house, and say, "Where's your crucifix? It's not on the wall. Where's your Bible? It's not on the table. Um, when do you go to church? I haven't been there in 30 years. Uh, we have been baptized. Never did this. Never did that. Well, you know, these are some of the things that will open things up, uh, open you up for obviously uh, um, an attack, or an oppression, or an attachment. So. You need to change you know, your habits you're going to start going to church you're going to start okay and i don't even care what church it is it's a good bible church a good you know spiritual church you're happy with it gives you what you need you know uh you pray with family get the bible out read the scripture get the crucifix get the blessed objects out it's a bit of a process but so it all depends on what i'm doing i will bring in an entire team mm-hmm. of everybody researchers uh, you know uh, leaders investigators, uh, psychic, sensitives, you know, whatever um, that I need. And then sometimes it's just Kia and myself that goes in uh, because that's what I need. I need, okay, I, I can say, okay, definitely there's definitely something here. I don't need to investigate it. It's definitely something here. Right. We go in, she goes in, she's ahead of me, and I, I kind of send her in. Um, if I have more than one person, sometimes I have two people who are sensitive. I'll send both in and individually and they come back tell individually what you picked up. And then uh, and then was sort of that allows me to create a game plan. Okay, how we're gonna approach to this. You know, there might be some spirits that first bound spirits that have left. There might be multi dimensional things that have happened during different time periods all at the same time. Uh, there might also be a demon hanging around sucking up the energy of the people who are left behind. And that's normally what they do. You know, the demons just don't get the energy on their own. They they need to take it somewhere. And so people who are left behind or distraught, can't move forward. demon's there, sort of keeping them as an energy source. So once, I get, once I'm able to move those souls forward into the light, you know, into the next journey, if the demon doesn't have the energy to sustain itself. I'm not able to remove it. So it, it all depends on, on the circumstance. But, yeah, you know, I've got various people who I can, I can draw from. Sometimes I'll just go in and just, just sit down and just, you know, and sometimes, you know, on a good day, I, was, I just I don't want to wear the clergy uniform. I'll just give me a flashlight, and an EVP meter, and let me go. You know, sometimes <laughs> I just have fun, have fun doing that too, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, it's fun and uh, um, to do that. So uh, again, but the thing is, a lot of people don't want me to do investigations um, because when I go in. There's no activity. They're all quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But but, mm-hmm. but 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 Sister Tia, um, she is a crap magnet. She draws them out. Oh my God! Like when she goes in, all kinds of activities. So if you want activity, you want her there. Um, so <laughs> so she so she's the one who gets the, the invite for the, the investigation. I get to sit in the back room and and um, and hold up the vending machine. But if <laughs> you want to go. Uh, who, who wants water? Okay, here Yeah. You know, me, you know, like, uh, um, because they because they, they don't want me there because you know that as soon as I go in, um, then there's no activity whatsoever. Yeah, um, yeah. But, they, but
0: you're but, the cooler. But, you know, <laughs> you're the chiller. Yeah, what do they call I, them in Vegas?
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but I'm but I'm there for people who like you know will pray. I pray over them. I give them blessings. I mean, if you yeah, you know, go on YouTube and look up you know blessing of the occult museum for the Warrens. You know, mm-hmm. I did the, I did the like the Annabelle and the Conjuring Mirror. I did the blessing there, so I mean, I, I make sure everybody gets blessed. You can see what I've done. I get my holy water and oil prepared on the outside. I bless everybody. Then we go in and we do the full blessing, um, and Annabelle and whatnot. So, and I, you know, when Annabelle is on display, you know, I usually will go to the event and I make sure I say I tell people if you don't want a blessing before you leave, it's just because you you want to feel safe after you've been exposed to all these negative, evil artifacts, come see me. Well, you know, like at one point, my lineup is bigger than Annabelle's lineup. And then, you know, um, she gets all upset, but I'm getting, I stole her thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Annabelle's getting less less selfies, and I'm getting more I My lineup is long for the bluff. So, um,
0: I'm glad um, you brought that up. Um, I was going to ask you <laughs> later about haunted objects and such, but <laughs> the picture that you sent, standing next to Annabelle, I was like, there's got to be oh, a yeah. story behind that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I got a call from and the New England Society of Paranormal Research, which is the Ed Lorraine Warren team. In Connecticut, mm-hmm. and um, they called me up. <clears throat> they said they had a case of a girl out in Europe, I believe it's Belgium. This is a few years ago, but unfortunately, they're trying to raise money to bring her to America and they want to document. I got called to see if I could, if I would document an actual exorcism. And now she is definitely possessed, she's getting help, but she's still not quite, you know, been being helped with the COVID and the lack of funds um she's still there and she hasn't come here so anyway i said that i was called by a team in finland um a gentleman who wants to direct he did the um a movie uh documentary called um oh goodness what was it called the hostage of the devil and it was a really good hit and it was about father um, uh, malachi yeah
0: and anyway, i saw it and it, it was so, really interesting
1: yeah so they wanted me to do part two that's basically what they wanted, me. They wanted to bring me in and Carry on where he left off oh,
2: wow. because he didn't
1: finish what he did because she he mysteriously died um, after some of that. we're not sure if, what happened right so they wanted, so the person wanted me to come in and do part two and finally do the possession of this individual that he was planning on doing initially which never got done so I said well you know they're having an annabelle event in Connecticut and I brought uh, such a with me I said I'm going to go down and uh, and just speak to the team, you know, have coffee and go for dinner. And of course go there and I'll meet Annabelle and, and, all the and all, do the whole thing. You just, you, know, you just be part of the process. But I apparently I went down there just to have a conversation and said, okay, let's talk about this case, how do you want to approach it? What do you think, you know, what we we should do? And, um, you know, of course, are we, there's pictures of me and Tony Sparrow talking with Irene, invited me up and I started blessing the, Well, Tony asked me, uh, do you want to come to the club museum? have a look and do a blessing because, you know, I've had a priest come. These guys have a priest that wants a mother to do a blessing. I was like, well, sure. Maybe. So I went there and of course I'm very thorough and you can see the whole process on YouTube. And we went and did the whole thing. Some fire alarms went off because we've got to shut them off and had the incense going. And then, um, we went to the event and did my blessing, did whatever for people. And, uh, at the end of it all, um, you know, uh, Tony and the team asked me, uh, with he and myself to join up to be spiritual, um, Consultants for the team, and any cases they have um, that I can join them. Of course, they're carrying on the legacy, uh, and Lori has passed on. You know, rest in peace. Um, but they're not a lot of a lot of what they did is now now in movies. Conjuring like one, two, and three. The Annabelle comes home, um, and, and you know they'll make me do it. These are all actual objects. The dinosaur. I've seen all this, right? And I've seen the actual artifacts. So now the next generation. Like now it's. Tony Spera with Judy, your daughter growing up. Um, they're they're running the team and we've got a bunch of new members, myself and sister here of course are included in that. And uh, we've done a couple of cases before COVID came through. We were in New Jersey doing a case and we were uh, and there's another place in Connecticut with another case. Um, and then it had to stop because the border closed. The Ontario had the clean the US border had closed for like almost two years, so they couldn't cross the border. I couldn't go down there. Being the only Canadian member on the team, what Kia was being Canadian, we couldn't cross. So, a lot of things we couldn't get involved in. So, there were a few paracons and things that we couldn't participate. This year we're going down, so uh, we'll be part of that. And it'd be great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I mean, I've helped with all in my bare hands, and I'm, I've been fine. Where Everybody else has to use rubber gloves, holy water, and because she is a very dangerous doll. Yeah, yeah. Very, very evil. Even even in the case, she's done a lot of damage. People have gone home and said, you know, bad things have happened. I mean, if you're going to come and spend a hundred and something dollars to come visit Annabelle at, at an event and take selfies or whatnot, you need to be prepared. Because, you know, it's sort of like, you, know, for yourself at risk sometimes. you need to be really prepared. That's why I offer the blessings before you leave so everybody can get home safely. Annabelle has actually hurt people. Now these artifacts are real. They uh, they be collected, um, they are locked up. They're not they on display any longer, and um, and uh, this bus is done every month, hopefully just to keep, you know, the negatives under containment. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that was a physical experience. I wasn't even, well, I was down at the CNL by any means, but just that one visit really opened a lot of doors for me to join the team, participate, uh, and, and be able to work with them, and we still do. Of course, that opened up more doors for more things. So um, because they needed a priest that was willing to come and do things, where you know they were going to the local, the local diocese, and they're like, "Well, can't help you. You got to call my bishop. You got to call Rome." And so you know, there was obstacles there. They didn't want to be filmed. They not want to be. They didn't, some of them didn't want to be involved. Some of them don't believe in the paranormal. Some of them don't want to be involved, and you know, about they they, they don't they don't you know, there's, it's very strictly controlled how they sort of politically control who gets the exorcism, who gets investigated, um, those sorts of things. And, yeah, their, their um, criteria and their sort of their vetting, it's very similar to mine, but it's more extensive mm-hmm. and much longer over the span of time. Or if you go to them and say, you know, I picked my so-and-so's possessed or whatever, and you get investigated and they say, sure, okay, we're going to do it. It may take a year or two years before you actually get it done. Well, with me, it might be, it might be a couple of months you know, because I also, I also very, you know, I, I, I go um, extensively vet people and then, you know, check the medical history and make sure, you know, we don't have schizophrenic because we're all presented as being demonic. So I have to make sure that it's not just something that's medically, that it is something that's that's true. And there are ways, and I don't need to go through it now because it's really hard. But I was trained to determine to see if it's actually medically a medical problem, mental health problem, or or a spiritual problem, or a combination. It can be combination, of both. So there's a way of determining certain things, trying different tricks, and trying to figure out the responses and whatnot. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's how I got involved out with the NASCAR team. So again, it went from one little small panel team in a local town to uh, join, I know a very well renowned you know, team that is very well established and uh, have history. A lot of resources and um, a lot of experience.
0: I love that that you work with all of these diff- different types of people with their with their various gifts, and that you are so inclusive of of the paranormal aspect in all of this. And that reminded me, actually, um, Bishop James Long. Um, I follow him over on Facebook. And mm-hmm. and he's also been involved in the paranormal field for uh, you know a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he recently posted something um, that I thought was really interesting. You might have an opinion on it. He was talking about just like you were, like how some in the clergy have been a little critical of the work and research that he does with all of those paranormal mm-hmm. endeavors. And. He was explaining basically the line that he draws between his work with the paranormal and then what he does with the demonic. He was saying that he would continue to be involved with the paranormal community and that he would also continue teaching about demonology because it was specifically theological and not paranormal like they're two different things would what would you say about that distinction
1: Well, yeah well there's like you, you need to cross like there needs to be um you need to be able to separate the one from the other but they're really intertwining a way you know um we, we follow scripture and 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 we need to follow that the fact that it is quite clear that we need to be careful on how you approach it it's all about attitude um how you approach it um you can't just vaguely or you know, vaguely, vaguely just go around and just accept everybody's guess. okay? I hear you or all this or that, do tarot cards, you have to draw the line to certain things um, because there are very variations of of that, and and there's the, here's the white and there's the dark, you know, of, of, of all those things as well. I mean, you get a white witch, you get a dark witch, you know. So you know there's there's a the dark side, and I have been exposed uh, to some of the demonic rituals. I specifically went out and kind of undercover, you know, um, got myself to, into a group to see what they actually do. So for me, it was a learning process. Um, and uh, so there is a, a darker aspect to some of this, the, the paranormal, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 uh, the rituals they do. and So we need to be very careful about what your gifts are and what your intentions are and uh, where your heart is. Um, yeah, there is a fine line. Um, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know uh, Richard Long well, in fact, I know all of them. I, I think, you know, it might be, it might be on my Facebook, we don't. You know, um, his theological sort of upbringing is different. I believe he did a lot of scholastic teaching, he went to school, uh, seminaries and things and whatever. Um, he's old Roman Catholic. Uh, which, you know, I've been consecrated. And I can, get, I can get into that a little bit. He's from a different line. Um, he did a lot of TV work as well, and I've, I've seen some of his work, and there's some things that I don't agree with, I'll be honest, and some things are okay, um, because, I, I just, because of my training. Um, there, there, some things are lacking, and, and I don't know, I mean, to me, I use the medium as a teaching, I don't use the medium as um, entertainment. And, uh, you know, so I've seen some of his work and a lot of it is, some of it is entertaining. Um, and, other, and other times it's educational. So I don't know, I don't know, I can't speak of the man. I don't, I don't know uh, what he, um, what his thoughts are on. Uh, I, think, I think it's fair to say that we um, are individuals and we have been brought by God Go own, like, our, our, we have a different journey, and but and we, we have a like, we've been given a task, and he's got his, I got mine. So, yeah, you need to separate them because, you know, um, like I said, you know, I, mean, I can put on my full garb and be Vatican, I can have my sash, red sash, I can look like one of the cardinals by the way I'm up I'm up to be a cardinal, believe it or not. So Oh really? So, um, oh wow. Yeah, so so I will have the orange, so I'm gonna have the orange. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look like the, like you see them on TV that's hold the <laughs> cardinal outfit. So I mean yeah. you go out you go out with a fancy ring and the fancy glasses and all the gold and everything and you go out all dressed in the gills and people look at you and say, Oh my God, your eminence and all this and it's all you know, the whole demeanor changes and it's like, you know, everybody looks at you differently. Um, then you take take care of it off and you wear your regular jeans and a t shirt and you go in there and do an investigation, but of course you're not the same person anymore, but yet you are. So there's a time when you need to wear that outfit and be the cardinal or the bishop. And there's a time that you can be a little more relaxed and you know, and embrace the things we talked about, like the gifts and whatnot. So you need to be able to, like I agree with him in that respect, you need to separate it. Um, because again, it goes along the lines where people just get up in the morning and say, I want to start a paranormal team today. That's on Facebook, you know, and and, and then, you know, there's just a bunch of young kids with you no know, experience, just you know, this is cool. I want, you know, or those hunters and you know, and whatnot. They go out, they go out to the nearest, you know, hardware store 19 for nineteen ninety nine, you get your starter kit, you get a EVP meter and you get this, you know, and, you know, you so you know, there are so many teams and some are well prepared some are ill prepared and and, and so that's where a lot of the training and that's where I know he comes where he's coming from, he wants to teach these paranormal teams to be prepared. But they need to have a distinction and will say, okay, you need to know your boundaries. When you go in and do an investigation, you come across something that's clear, demonic, dangerous, mm-hmm. you need to know, okay, all, okay, now I'm over my head. Now I need to be able to stand back and call for help. Not try to say well I deal with all, just I can take this on. That's when you get into trouble. And this is where I think he's coming from, I, I believe, and I agree with him in that regard, like you know that it's time to be it's time to say, okay, it's time for the team to leave, and it's time for the, the priest or the bishop, or the to come in and do their part. So there needs to be that separation sometimes, um, because we also have because as, as clergy, we need to follow scripture, the dogma. we can't deviate from that. Because if we do, then we're really not the priests and bishops we're like, because we have taken vows to uphold the teachings of Christ. We can't just say, well, we'll just take that portion, but not that portion. We have to embrace it all or nothing. Right. So right. This, this is what I, I, I need to to, 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 to uh, relay to people in the community, and that's, that's why. But I, I see where he's coming from. I've seen some of his work. I see there's a lot of TV. Um, I do a lot more Paracons. And that's perfectly fine. It's a medium that he uses uh, to express his, his views and his teaching, and it's perfectly fine. I don't. I haven't worked with the man. Uh, he comes from a different line, um, of apostolic line, um, which is not necessarily bad or good. What distinguishes what people do understand what distinguishes distinguishes us uh, from possible. And there are a lot of clergy up there that are not really valid, and there are a lot of clergy that are like are truly valid. And and the one determination that that proves it is you have to be able to show your apostolic succession, so it's called. So basically, God uh, God gave to Christ, Christ gave to the apostles, the apostles laid to the laying of the hands, passed it on to, you know, bishops or whatever through the cast of time. And then I have, I, I can go through every name, every bishop, every cardinal, every priest, right to the apostle James to show that that's the lineage. Because obviously, you think about it, you know, James went west, to Spain after the crucifixion, cross over to the of course when his his people he ordained and whatnot ended up over in South America, moved them way north into Mexico, thus exclamation the Catholic Church, saw attached to James. And every apostle went a different route. So um, that's my line. Um, but so again and and the belief in my and it's the never to doubt in my abilities. That's what makes you successful, is to know two things that God is not um, 80% effective on Friday and 90 on Saturday and maybe 100 on Sunday and 20 on Monday. He's 100% ever, all the time. So when you're going in to cast out a demon or to do anything of cleansing, they're going in with that full confidence, no doubt whatsoever, that it's gone. It isn't like the movies where, okay, there will be a sequel, you know, Animal comes back, you know, kind of thing. That's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, that doesn't, that doesn't uh that doesn't apply. Exorcisms in the real world are actually boring. <laughs> you know, you, you go in, I cast you out, they have to obey. End of story. Period. Because I'm using the full hand of God. And it is not I. That's part of the ritual. It is not I who commands you. It is Christ who commands you. It is God who commands you. It is the Holy Ghost who commands you. It's the the saints who command you, you know, and whatnot. So I'm using the authority of God. It's basically I'm using God's power. In, in essence, if you read the, the theology behind it, Jesus said, as the Father sent me. In other words, there isn't God gave to Christ during 2,000 years ago. You know, as the Father sent me, I sent you. And later on, I'm paraphrasing, later on he says, and you will do greater things than I. And that speaks volumes. If you think about it, you think, wow, You know, you know, everything that God gave to Christ Christ gave to James James through the line gave to me so in essence I could actually I, I, I have the same ability that Christ has you know the forgiveness of sins the blessings everything and, and he says what is bond on earth is bond in heaven in other words whatever I do here on earth God will accept as you know if you if you forgive someone their sins God says they're forgiven you know so it is it is that passing down so that's where the authority comes from, the power. It's not me. We have nothing. do every person. But when it comes to do what I have to do for God, you know, then that power, that's God's power. So how can you sustain that? I mean, you know, how can the devil say, well, you know, nah, I don't think so. No, no it's God who commands you. Like, okay, I got to go now. Pack your bags. So, uh, um, you know, there is, there is no, there is no uh, debate that's just the way that it is and um, yeah I I mean what can I say that's the gift that's the that's the calling and with the calling comes that authority that backs it up which is the power of God and likewise all the other all the other gifts whatever gifts you're given God puts that authority and that power for that gift behind it so again I don't know what apostolic line uh, Bishop Long is but you know that's he's got to follow the line and it's you have to be able to prove when people say you are, you know, this church, that church, and people, some people criticize me about, oh, you're in this church. I don't think that's a good church, or that's the proper church. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether I'm in this church or that church. I can follow my apostolic line, mm-hmm. right to James. So I know that the laying of the hand, Jesus put his hands on James, and James did the same through the passage of time. And I have every name that he did. Like I have all his, the records are all there in the archives. And you can go and you can follow right to me. And then, of course, I did, I've consecrated a few bishops. They're back in Italy now doing their own ministry work. And, of course, they've added my name to their list so they can so they can follow that. That's how, that's what makes it valid. Um, and that's what gives me my authority. So when I go in, I'm going in with the authority of God saying, it's not me, buddy. It's God. What are you going to say to that? Nothing. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Pack your bags. You know, uh, you know. You know, so that is that's where people need to understand um, that the authority comes from that, not necessarily. Oh, well, well, you're in this church or that church. No, no, not necessarily. Yeah, that's that's ministry. It's basically you're following that line of authority. But yeah, I did answer that question. I mean, I, know, I mean, he's doing what he needs to do um, in his own way. He feels. And uh, using the medium is, is not a bad thing, because it's a good way to get, get to people, more people. Sure. But yeah, he has to cross the line, because some people will just, are not prepared. Like, I'll give you, we'll give you a quick example. Um, I was at a paracon in up in New York State, uh, years back, and uh, there was a person in the audience, related, and he had a question, and he raised his hand. I said, what's your question? Well, you know, um, if I watch the movie The Exorcist, the original one, the 1970s, if I watch that, Will I get affected? Will I be affected? Will I get possessed? Will I you know, have an affliction or attachment? And I said, well, what is the motive behind you watching that movie? Is it because you want to learn, you know, racism? Do you want to do is it, is it for entertainment purposes? And he said, well, I'm part of a paranormal team, and uh, if I ever come across a demonic uh, case, I want to be able to know what to do. Well, you know, that movie was maybe 5% r- true. The rest was all... Advocated. Yeah, um, yeah. So if you are gonna if you're gonna use Hollywood to teach you to do that, <laughs> you're gonna walk into a situation and you're gonna you're gonna walk in, you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> you know, you're gonna be bringing home. It. So I, I, a wrong wrong reason to watch the movie because Hollywood is not a place to be. It's like, entertainment. I mean, even the country, Annabelle. You know, and I thought so, I spoke to Tony Sparrow because he was part of the Warren team when it happened. He's also um, under contract with uh, Warner Brothers because of the movies and uh, the a consultant and he says like, you know, the movies are like only 30% true. The rest, it's just killing. So even, even the movies are not completely true. Stories are true, but the, a lot of the stuff that's added in is added in. So you just can't go by what you see in the movie
0: Oh, Hollywood doesn't yeah. exaggerate, Plato. No. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> well,
1: well, well. In my world, there's no sequel, and Hollywood is a no sequel. You know, Devil <laughs> comes back. You know, you know, uh, you, know um, you know, Attack, you know, 2.0 No, in my world, you are gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, and and uh, you know, uh, so I think someone told me this was a. A spiritualist told me, uh, the devil has your picture up on a wall with a bounty. And the bounty is so high, but yet no one down there wants to take it on. Because, you know, when you set people down, <laughs> they don't come back. Someone told me that, actually. And it was kind of an odd statement to make, but it's okay, so... The devil's got my picture up with a bounty, but no one wants to take the case. <laughs> go well, figure. That's inter- yeah,
0: yeah, go figure. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You you said something in there that, that caught my attention. So, do you think that it's it's the motivation that might invite possession in? Like, are you a little bit it's more? It's all
1: about consent. Yeah, it's all about consent. I can I can touch on that, and I can you okay. exactly. This is it's the universal law. Um, God says you know you've uh, free will and that means basically I won't interfere that's God I won't interfere in your life unless you ask me I won't send angels I won't send this I won't send that unless you ask for help I will not intervene that's free will likewise that same rule applies to everybody including the demonic they cannot interfere in your life unless you give them consent now consent to be direct consent indirect consent intergenerational uh, consent, um, and I'm going to touch on some of these real quickly. In our world today, you know, if you turn on the TV, you know, within three minutes, you're know, watching something evil. You know, all the pornography that's out there, uh, our locks and in, in our morality. Um, we pretty much, you know, normalized everything. These are all consents. They're indirect consents. There's some people who just, all of just go out there and just, like, want to be demonically, you know worshipers or whatever and that's one thing and then you've got the other group that just you know they're just lax in the morality and this, and then you have the obviously the other groups that are paranormal groups that go in they're not prepared they're not prepared uh spiritually you know and uh you know they come home worse off or they leave the client worse off when mm-hmm. when they find them um i had a quick story i had uh, two people wanted to join me in a case uh and i said i'm oh, sure okay come on in i mean you're gonna hold this you're gonna hold that and in we go. And the person that's in the chair that's sort of demonic looks at the girl and says, you know, does your, your boss know oh, you're, you're stealing money from work? And he said to the guy, does your wife know you're cheating on her? Oh,
2: wow. And they
1: just ran around. They turned around and they ran out. Because, of course, you know, being demonic, knowing a demonic is the knowledge of the unknown, you know, knowing things about people. So, I mean, they ran out. They weren't prepared. So this, so this one thing that I have learned is that my team, no one goes in unless everybody has their mindset and clear-headed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going through a divorce, you got money problems, you're going through problems with kids, problems at work, I don't want you there because you're weakening in the chain. You know, so you know we have to prepare uh, fast, go to church, do the blessings, then we go in. We're going hot, heavy, and boom, like. That's the boldness we're going in. Our minds is prepared, um, and we have. There's nothing in our minds that, that can. They the, the demons or the evil can can uh, weaken us. Okay, and then of course you got to remember when you're knocking on Satan's door, you're walking. On, or you're walking on knocking on the spirit world. You know they're going to answer. He's not knocking on our door. We're knocking on his door. So there's your consent. You're going in. If you're not prepared, you're not. You're not protected. You're not covered. You are really, in a sense, opening up yourself. So that that, in a sense, is a form of consent. And you might end up bringing something home with you. No one told you to go knock on Satan's door. Pause. Oh, knock on the door. And, you know, let's go. Let's go and knock on the spirit world. You see that the devil and all his fallen angels and all the demons were they were cast out. They weren't destroyed. And I hear people saying, oh, "I kill demons." You don't kill demons. God didn't kill demons. You're not going to kill demons. God didn't do that. He casted them out. He sent them to uh, another another level plane, kind of like a middle middle heaven. You know, like it's above us and it's God's above him. They weren't destroyed. They were cast out. They kept all their angelic powers and whatnot. And so, if you're going to go knocking on that on that realm, you're, you do you be prepared. You know, because it's a battle, and if you're not prepared, you're going to lose. These are ancient beings, billions of years old. Um, consent is, you know, um, tarot cards, Luigi boards. In itself, it's just a board, right? So we talked about intent. Mm-hmm. It's just a board with writing. Tarot cards just cards with some pictures on it. Mm-hmm. What you put into it. If this is a board now. It's going to be my portal. I'm going to bring yeah. something out. I'm going to conjure. Now you, you know, you change its essence. Now, that's you're putting an intent in that. That's, then you're like, you're, no, you know, you open yourself up to things. So that is the kind of thing. It's like, um, Father Amor, he was the head exorcist for Rome. He passed, the like, last year, he was dying brilliant guy. He wrote many books. I read them all. He was so good. Like, like, we're told as priests never to ask the David questions. Like, oh, by the way, what's the future? What's the, uh, the lottery numbers next week, you know? I command you to tell me. Give me that seven number with the Powerball. You know, <laughs> you know. I want them now. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not it's, it's not me who asks. It's God asking. You know, uh, we can't do that, right? Mm. So we we uh, were permit, not prepared to do that. Now, father of did, but he did so many exorcisms. I'm talking thousands of exorcisms that he deliberately of asking. By the way, how did you possess this person? What did they do for you? To you know, to get in there, and he wrote a book. and started talking about some of the things that was revealed, and uh, which you know really was quite interesting. And I'll give you one example. There's many, like um, you know when uh, you know the groom you know wants to ask the father of the bride, can I have you know, your daughter hand in marriage, your blessing, blah blah blah. You know we think it's wonderful, it's romantic, it's you know you know, but no, there's an actual historical uh fame behind all that and and if you're not going to bless the marriage you're in fact cursing it and that's the form of consent because the kids well, they can be 30 years old doesn't matter not married they are still in a sense not that better word, the property of the parents so that's what the bible says you know the husband leaves his family to join her family it's quite explicit you know and they become one you know one flower like they become one right they join to become one so you are really your parents' sort of responsibility, even at the age of thirty or forty, or even twenty. It doesn't matter uh, until you are handed over in marriage and become one in flesh and in spirit. So parents have enormous authority and power over their children. You know, they say, "Well, I don't want you married him. I don't think he's a good guy. I'm not blessing this marriage." And then you know, people ask, "Why?" You know, the next you know five generations, every marriage fails because you've cursed that there's a delivery to that, so that. That's what the demons, what the demons was, was, was telling Father more. that, you know, if you're not going to receive the blessing, you're receiving, you're receiving the curse. Having said that, I'm going to add that there's intergenerational I, as well. The demon says they can curse and afflict, afflict people up to nine generations. So something your great, 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 great grandmother might have been involved in hmm. can affect you. So I have rituals for that. Rituals that will break the intergenerational ties so that it stops here and then it doesn't go any further. But people say, why am I, why am I always cursed? I can't keep a job. My, my marriages fail, uh, you know, blah, 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 And then I'm thinking about, okay, it's, it's intergenerational. You go back front and I was like, oh, you know, great, 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 great granny, you know, was involved in seances or whatever. Because that was big back in the 1920s and 1930s, right? So there's, so, and then of course, like, like, like manner, God also says, you know, I, I will bless you and I will bless your seed and your family for five generations going forward. But for the demonic, I believe it's nine. And, and so this is what happens. So, again, we need to, part of my exorcism and cleansing will include that to make sure that that chain is broken. And going forward, you're not afflicted by that. I had a lady who was 20, 30 years ago was using the world's magic pens, you know you know, talk to me spirit and, you know, she was just uh, journaling and the pen was just right by itself. Mm-hmm. You know, because she conjured that up, right? She says, well, you know, I haven't done that in 20 years, but I'm, my marriage is failing. I can't seem to get a job. I'm broke and this and that. And I, and I, I, I said, well, you know, give me your confession or whatever. And she says, well, you know, I did, you know, I did this pen thing when I was younger, you know, probably got rid of it all. I said, where's the pen? She said, I don't know. I said, I'm telling you, the pen is in the house. Even 20 years later go through that whole house and find it. And she did. Then we got rid of the pen and everything changed. She put her intent in that pen. It's just a pen you buy it from the store. but she took that pen and had conjured up something and say, you know, I want to journal a ton of the future, a ton of this, blah, 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 And then she put that energy, it's all energy. We are all energy. So that's what we're doing. It's just a, just a change of the energy. Um, and and the demons and the devils need the energy. They cannot cross them into this plane unless we let them. And you know what? A lot of people today are doing so indirectly, not knowing what they're doing. You know, and unfortunately, you know, people are saying, well, you know, the church or whatever, you know, premarital sex, uh, you know, this and this and all that, and all the all immorality that's going on. Everybody's normalized it. They think it's okay. Um, but it's not. It's it, You know, it's full scripture, and, you know, it's not. And uh, we're holding the sell up this stuff because, we I mean, I've gone to... I've gone to a lot of of homes, and people, I say, give me, you know, I have to, I always have to hear the confession because, you know, that's part of the healing, right? Um, Having a confession is part of, another form of exorcism is confession. And within that confession, usually things are starting to come up that kind of gives you an indication of why you've been oppressed, or why, what you did to open yourself up. And then we kind of correct that. So that's part of the process. But... It's all about consent. That's the bottom line. And okay. unless you give it, they can't touch you. Um, but a lot of people do it directly, And uh, um, so, you know, that's that's all I can say. Okay. It's, it's okay. just the world, the world we live in. It's basically the world we live in, right? And we turn on the TV. Uh, we watch uh, uh, horror movies, aggressive movies, uh, gangster movies, you know, like a lot of violence and um, whatnot. And uh, that, in a sense, will open up. It could It could open up it depends on the individual. Some are more sensitive than others, so
0: there's no way of knowing. Okay. Okay. Well, with, uh, while we're in this subject of, of consent and uh, possession, um, this might be a good place to put in, I have a listener-submitted question, and I, I, I'm guessing I already know where this might, uh, or what you might uh, have to say about this, but I just want to say it, ask you sure. in the way that they put it down. They ask... Why does it only ever seem to be folks who are or have been religious who get possessed? Thank you so much for listening today, you guys. That was part one of my conversation with Plato Angelakis. If you would like to hear Plato's response to that listener question and more... Stay tuned for part two. That will be up on Tuesday. In the meantime, check out the links to follow and find my guest in the show notes. If you enjoy the show, the approach, my guests, the content, you can't wait to hear more and want a very easy way to give some support. Rate and review, babes. It takes but a moment and means so much to little guys like myself. Make your voices heard. Find me on all of the socials at Paranorm Girl Pod and ParanormGirlPod.com. Shoot me your experiences with the supernatural and strange. I love to hear from you. That is it until Tuesday when we will pick up where we left off. Have a fantastic weekend, but stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.